0: Hey, good morning, church. It's actually been 96 days since I've last had a haircut and it's going to be another 24 till I have my next one. And there's actually only so much you can do with hair product and conditioning and brush. But uh, that's, that's the inconvenience of being in lockdown over here and uh, it's not too bad to be honest. Things are slowly moving forward for us in the UK to be able to be over there soon and I'll keep you updated as things move forward. Exciting news about being able to start meeting again as churches in Saskatchewan. Uh, And I'll talk a bit more about that in terms of timescales and what we need to put in place a bit later on. But today is actually Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Resurrection Sunday. And I love Palm Sunday because it reminds us of certain things. It reminds us that Jesus is king. He rode into Jerusalem as a king. But it also reminds us that he came in peace. Historians would tell us that when a king entered a city, he would either enter on a donkey or he would enter on a horse. And entering on a horse signified war. He was either coming to overtake the city or he was coming back from victory. But if he entered on a donkey, he was coming in peace. And Jesus very purposefully entered Jerusalem on a donkey, signifying he was coming in peace. But one of the things I do want to remind us of as well is that Jesus, Jesus's plans, God's plans are not always our plans. And that's what Palm Sunday reminds us. You see, when he entered Jerusalem, people thought he was coming to release them from the captivity of being under the Romans. But that wasn't Jesus's plan when they laid the palm, down, palm branches down and they sang Hosanna, which simply means save now, they thought he was gonna release them from being under the Romans. But that's not what Jesus came to do. He came to release them and all of us from the captivity of sin and death and condemnation. And he's still doing that today. So Palm Sunday will remind us on the way to Easter of those three things, he's king, He comes in peace and his plan is not always our plan. I want to get into the word right now. So if you're ready to do that, why don't you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your presence in this place right now even though we are separated us from from you guys by 4000 miles and even in you guys in your homes together there's a separation we can still be as one and we can still come together with purpose every one of us fulfilling our purpose within Christ and today god i pray that uh, as we look at this next topic in this series of everyone god i pray i pray God, I pray that you would make us slightly uncomfortable, that you would challenge us, that you would bring us closer to yourself. Yes, but that you would challenge us in our purpose and in our walk with you in the name of Jesus. Amen. My story is not sensationalized story of drug addiction and crime and prison. Never done those things. My story is a lot more simple than that, but it has its twists and turns. You see, I grew up, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. My mum and dad are here, probably sat in the living room as we're watching this round church together. And I uh, had that privilege of growing up in a Christian home. But my my story is that I had no real concept of God's grace in my life. No concept of my sins forgiven in the present and in the future. And, uh, and, and so I, I, I was in many ways, leading a double life. I, I led a double, I, I lived one life at church and one life at school. It wasn't bad, but I just wasn't outworking God in my life in the different areas. And, you know, I thought if Jesus came again, then by law of averages, he'd probably find me sinning. So what was the point of even trying? And I came to a point in my life where, and I think I was around about 18, where I, I just thought, I can't do this anymore. And so I left church and that was my mistake. But even even when I came back later on in life, I was still very much in and out of church. And I let other things get in the way. I let other things, particularly sport and girls, become the gods in my life at that time. And when I moved up to the, to the northeast of England after I came back from Australia, um, I was still drifting. I was still moving around, didn't have any real purpose in my life and frustrated that I didn't know what to do with my life. But God knew where he was leading me. He knew what he wanted me to do. He knew that eventually there'd be purpose and there would be a time when he could use me and fulfill everything that he had for me in my life. Major roads like going to Australia and getting married and and then there was minor roads of getting part time jobs and, and, and things like that. They were all actually leading to a point in my life. Going to Australia led to my friendship with Pastor Gary, who at this moment in time is handing over the leadership of Hillsong Church London. To, uh, to another young guy and Gary's doing another job. But that led to a, a lifelong friendship with him. And then my part-time job in working with offenders led to a career in social work and working with children in child protection. Having no money at a particular time in our life, Dee and I led to us coming to the Northeast for a holiday to stay with my mum and dad and doing day trips out. We couldn't afford to go abroad or anything like that. But that actually led to a point where something started burning in, in us to come to the Northeast and plant the church, which we did. So all of those little things which which seem like inconveniences or, or detours actually began to direct us on a path. God knew what he was doing. But even in, in certain areas, I continued to drift and I was unemployed for, for a little while. And that's what led to me getting a part time job. And, and, and as I said, some of those detours in my life at the time were so frustrating, a bit like a bit like here, really, and being stuck over here when I'm desperate to be out there with you guys. All of these times, even though they're so frustrating, actually led me on the path that God wanted to take me on. I realized that, excuse me, <coughs> that God is actually not the, the God of second chances as we sometimes read. It's a bit more like when Peter asked God, how many, asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive? And Jesus said, actually 70 times seven, not just seven. See, God is the, the God of 70 times seven because he weaves the decisions of our life that we make into the path that he wants us to take. And I, I had to learn that my story, even though it had never been Jesus, it's all about you. It actually, Jesus was still was still leading me and guiding me uh, to, to fulfill his purpose. And I had to learn that my relationship ultimately was with God, not with just the church. And I began to realize over a few period of years that even though my story wasn't sensational, it still has value. And, uh, you know, I, beg- I, I remember sitting down with a friend of mine who didn't go to church and was talking about some of the, the people that, that, you know, testimonies or stories we'd heard about drug addicts and, and gangland members and things like that. And he just said, Are there any ordinary people who become Christians? And it was then that I realized my story to him is not about other people. My story that has value to him is the story that I tell him about my life. An ordinary person who came to know Jesus and began to fulfill the call of God on his life This month, our series is called Everyone, and we've looked at different aspects of that. Everyone finds their fit and belongs in this place, in this church, in this community. Everyone cares within this community. We care for each other. We don't necessarily have to have a special care team because we look after each other. Yes, there are one or two people that that go over and above in that. Everyone cares for each other, but we also have something that we can add as well. So everyone contributes, and Dee talked about that last week. But this last one, this last theme that I wanna talk about is is an interesting one, because we all have our part to play. And that's more than just attending a Sunday service together. There has to be purpose and meaning of, of us gathering together and an outworking of that purpose. And so today, I want to talk about everyone is a soul winner. So what does that mean? So let's unpack that a bit more. I want to talk about about a word that can strike fear into the hearts of many Christians. And uh, and when I say this word you think oh yeah but that's for those specialists, the special forces of Christianity. Those people that are, you know, they've they've gone to a whole new level of Christianity. For some of us, it's a word that, that we run screaming from the room. No, no, I can't do that. It's a word that causes some of us to fake sickness at times when, when this is mentioned. We think we have to be the Christian ninjas of the world to accomplish anything in this word. The word is evangelism. And I know right now that some of you have probably already switched off as soon as you've heard that, because what you have thought is, that's not me. And I don't, know, I don't know about you, but when I hear the stories of Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonnke and those other incredible evangelists that see thousands of people saved, I, I know that that's not me. I can't do that. There's an evangelist in the UK called Jay John, and he'll often recount stories of how he's seen people saved. And it's, it's amazing to hear, but it's, it's actually quite disheartening as well, because it, it, I just think I can't do that. You know, he he told once of a story, he got on a plane and and he sat next to someone and began this conversation. And and at the end of the plane journey, this woman was ready to give her heart to Jesus. Here's my plane journeys. I get on the plane, I look at the person beside me, and uh, hopefully they're not some complete and utter lunatic, put my headphones in, look at the selection of films and hope that no one disturbs me for the rest of my journey. But I think, and I think, Probably most of us are like that if we're, if, if we're really honest, aren't we? We're not those incredible communicators of Jesus Christ. We have a, a friend, D and I, called Christine Kane. One or two of you might have heard of her. And uh, she, she just is one of those people that exudes passion for telling people about Jesus everywhere she goes. She's an incredible preacher. And, you know, she could talk about the inside of a ping pong ball. And I think people would get saved because of who she is and the passion that she she brings for Jesus. And so so for me, that that really when I hear about those stories, I just think that's not me. I can't do that. This story, this series, sorry, is called Everyone. And I really want to look at our responsibility. We all have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to care for each other. We have a responsibility to to make space for each other and help each other fit and belong. We have a, a responsibility to contribute who we are to the whole, but we also have a responsibility to grow the whole, to bring new people in. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, we can and we do so often get caught up in building our lives. And this is not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to build our career and build our family and and get our houses and, and, and pensions and all of that sort of stuff. That is the right thing to do. But often we can do those things at the expense of actually what we're called to do as followers of Christ was one of the minor prophets at the back of the Old Testament called Haggai. And and God brings, he brings a challenge and, and actually he brings a bit more than a challenge. He brings discomfort to the children of Israel because he says to them, you've spent so long building your own houses and building your lives and getting everything sorted out. But right at this moment where you are is that you you realize that money is slipping through your fingers, that your crops are failing at times and you're wondering why this has happened. Let me tell you. And Haggai says this to the children of Israel, because you've disregarded building my house. And throughout the, the book of Haggai, this phrase comes across, consider your ways. And actually, today's message is one of those. And I, I want to I want us to consider our ways. Have we built our lives at the expense of building God's house? And so we can get caught up in building our house. And, and one of the things that we can do is reduce evangelism to an event. It's it's something we go along to. It's something we attend. It's something we watch on TV you know, I remember getting an email once uh, about a certain event and it says that evangelism has been called off due to the rain. You see, and that that in itself shows that they've seen evangelism just as an event that happens, that that we do, that we take someone along to. But evangelism is something much bigger than that. And if we reduce it to an event or a person, and we say that's for those specialists. We can, act, we can actually take on the attitude of that's not my ministry. Oh, I serve in kids church. I do youth. I'm on the worship team. I'm on the, on the greeters team on the door. I, I work here and I, I serve in that area. And we can actually believe that evangelism is not what we are called to do. You know, if we leave it to the Billy Grahams or the Christine Keynes. We can we can think that's that's about their job, but when we when we look at at the Rough Riders, Tom Tom Flacco who who's just joined. See, I'm I'm getting up on already getting get my mind in 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 place for uh, for the sports season in Saskatoon. But Tom Flacco's touchdown pass is only as good as the game up until it up until that pass and after that pass as well. And what we do is only as good uh, as What Billy Graham and Christine Kane uh, in, you know, when they do what they do, or Billy Graham when he used to do what he did, it's their, their preaching, their evangelistic events are actually only as good as what we do up until that moment and then after that moment in the making of disciples. I don't know if you've ever thought about what evangelism means. Evangelism, and I want you to put aside maybe some of your preconceived ideas. And just simply boil it down to what it really means. Evangelism or evangelist is simply a bringer of good news. We are simply trying to help people connect with Jesus and his good news of forgiveness and salvation. You know, if we have good news, we like to share it, don't we? When, when Dee told me she was pregnant, I wanted to share it with everyone. I want to shout it out. Yes, we're gonna be parents. How awesome is that? When we see a good film, I know that's slightly less good news than uh, becoming a parent, but when we see a good film, we want to talk about it. When we go to a good restaurant, we tell people about it. So why don't we want to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ? See, we need to be telling people about what Jesus has done in us. Yes, it's great to hear about what he's done in the drug addict or the the, the great sports person or whatever. But actually, our friend needs to hear about what Jesus has done in us. That's why Jesus has placed us where we are. And so we naturally share good news. So let's be committed to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And that good news for people is, you know what? you don't have to live with that addiction for the rest of your life. You don't have to be racked with guilt about what has been done to you in the past or, or what you have done in the past. There's good news about your debt problems. There's good news about your uh, your depression and your sickness. There's good news about the fact that you don't have to live under a cloud of guilt and fear and condemnation. I would say that that is good news. So we, as followers of Christ, have that good news for people and we need to be sharing it. That's what evangelism is. It's not taking someone to a big rally, a big event, a big church service. It's saying, this is my story. Can I tell you what Jesus has done for me? The Bible doesn't give a get out clause for us. It actually says that all of us have to be uh, makers and and go out and make disciples. That's part of the process, telling people our story and bringing them to Jesus. In Matthew 9, which is a really well-known scripture, and I want to read it to us right now, Matthew 9, 36, 38. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. See, when we read that, we realize that Jesus, Jesus felt compassion for the crowds. He looked over the crowds. He looked over Jerusalem. There's a a scripture that says he actually cried over Jerusalem, but he felt compassion for the crowds. We love the, the individualistic stuff, don't we? Jesus loves the one. He loves me. And that's true. But he also looks out and he sees the people out there. So when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's telling them, look out there at your friends, at your colleagues, look at your your neighbors. They are out there. They are ready to hear good news. And I I guess for all of us in this time of COVID, when all we hear is bad news, all we hear are the death figures, the the growing R number, the the heightened uh, problems of mental health. And because of isolation, people need to hear our good news. And often we look past the ones that are in front of us. We look past the the fields that are here and we look to the far off fields and we think that's missionary work or that's that's evangelism is going out there. But in reality, it's talking to our work colleague when they're going through a tough time. They need the good news more than anyone in a world that's devoid of real love, real acceptance and real relationship. We have a message of God reaching out to us. And in the same way that, that God reached down at the beginning and the end of Jesus's ministry and he said, this is my son who I love and in him I am well pleased. God is still reaching down to people and he's saying, these are my kids. I love them and I'm pleased with them. Let me, let me say that again. He's reaching down to your neighbor and he's saying, these are my kids. I love them and I'm pleased with them. They need to hear that now more than ever. We're not praying for revival. Yes, it's not, it's not wrong to pray for revival. And, and there are times when we should, but actually Jesus here says, pray for the workers. He doesn't say pray for the fields. He says, pray for the workers. He's saying to the workers, pray for yourselves. Pray, pray for those that are around you that are followers of Christ. Pray that you'll be ready to go into the fields to bring the harvest in. Are we praying for ourselves or are we praying for those people out there? You know, at the end of of the services, I've often prayed. And when I pray for and challenging us all to pray for our neighbours, the prayer is more often for ourselves than for them. We pray for courage to go out and tell people. We pray for wisdom uh, in what to say to them and we pray for opportunity to say something to them. That's praying for ourselves, not necessarily for them. We are the workers. We are the bringers of good news. People want People need to hear good news. The harvest is already ready. We're praying for the workers. The harvest is already here. And this is not for the Christian special forces. This is for every single one of us. All of us are soul winners. There's another passage of scripture in John 4. And uh, Jesus says this, he says, do not say there are there are yet four months. Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. You see, the, the disciples and the people around Jesus were probably making excuses. We've got plenty of time. I've got things to do there. I've got this. You don't understand my stage in life. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's not four months time. It's now. We all we all have things that grab our attention, our finances, our church life, our job, our family, and they are all good things that we need to give our attention to. But they should not come at the expense of being who we are for God on this earth. We have a purpose. We have a mission. And that is for all of us to be winners of bringing people to Jesus, to be soul winners their focus, the disciples' focus was on other things. And Jesus was saying, no, no, keep your attention here. Bring it back to your purpose. The focus is for everyone. It's for you. It's for me. It's for us. You know, for all of us, We, you may already be thinking of the excuses, because I do. We all do, we all have, but you don't understand. And and for me at the moment, I guess my excuse is, yeah, but I'm working so hard to try and build relationships over there and, and bring myself out of the church here and Dee's still having to work here and we're trying to sell our house and we're trying to keep our family moving forward and get the visas done. You know, it's a long list. I have a long list of things. And my excuse to Jesus can be, but you don't understand. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 the time is not in the future. It's not when we when you get to Saskatoon. Are you wasting time here doing what you could be doing for me here? Don't don't think about the the then, think about the now. There's a cost to Christianity, isn't there? Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. The sign that someone was about to die. Jesus said that before, before there was even knowledge that he was going to die on the cross. And he was saying to the disciples, this symbol of, of, of death that you see in front of you, that's for you to take up. Your life is not your own. You've given it to me. You know, even when I think about my own little space on the plane, have I done that in life? Have I got my own little space in my life here and made my life about my own? Because I have said to Jesus, I give my life to you. Most people that are watching and listening on here have said, God, I give my life to you. But how often have we taken bits of it back? See, I said, maybe this might make you feel uncomfortable are we grabbing bits of our life back from God and saying, no no, you can't touch that. And actually, we have a purpose and a mission in life, and that is to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, to be the bringers of good news into our world. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul says to Timothy, who's a pastor, he's not a, an out and out evangelist. He at heart is a pastor. And he says to Timothy, be an evangelist. That's not change your job role. He's just saying to Timothy, in what you do, be an evangelist. And the call comes down through the ages to every single one of us. In what you are, be an evangelist. In being a teacher, be an evangelist. In being a stay-at-home parent, be an evangelist. In being an engineer, being an evangelist. In being the pastor of a church, be an evangelist. You see, my life can become so entrenched and constricted by Christians around me that I can forget, actually, I need to be an evangelist, not on the platform necessarily, but in the world around me as well. In your college and school and university, be an evangelist. In your football team or ice hockey team, be an evangelist. In your workplace, be an evangelist. And in your family, be an evangelist. Be a bringer of good news. It's not an optional extra. So I want to ask you, who will you tell your story to this week? When when we pray at the end, I want you to begin to ask God, God, give me opportunity, give me courage and give me wisdom to tell my story this week. Who will you throw the touchdown pass to this week? I guess simply some of us are saying, but I don't know what my story is. Begin to think about, like I've had to do, the twists and turns of your story and where Jesus intersected with them and where he began to bring you back to himself or to himself. For some of you, it might be a specific moment in time. For some of us that are grown up in church, it might be he began to weave together the, the, the threads of our life into this tapestry that we don't see until we turn it over. All we see is the mess of the threads and then we begin to turn it over and we begin to see the story, the picture that Jesus has has pulled the threads together in our life, begin to tell that story. One of the great tools that we have in this church is Alpha. And you may think that Alpha is just a, it's just a, a thing that we send new Christians to. No, how about we make a decision That every now and then I'm going to go to Alpha to, to remember what my story is and how it fits into the bigger history of who Jesus is. And then I can begin to tell my story to my friends, be the bringer of good news to help my friends. So Jesus didn't call us to be comfortable. He called us in many ways to be uncomfortable. Carrying our cross daily is an uncomfortable situation to be in. But he did send the Holy Spirit as our comforter, which means that there are situations that we will go into when we're telling our stories that will make us comfortable, so that will make us uncomfortable. And that's okay. We have the Holy Spirit that will give us courage, that will give us wisdom, that will create opportunities, but will also comfort us in those situations. We all have a part to play in building the kingdom we have different skills and gifts and experience that adds to the whole but there are a few things that are every single one of us are called to do evangelism and making disciples is something that every single one of us should be part of telling our story being the bringer of good news and then bringing people on that journey with us but unfortunately some of these are the first to go in our busy schedules aren't they imagine if we If we truly believe that the people who lived next door or sit next to us in our workplace or our study group at college need what we have. They need to hear our story. Imagine if we began to believe that and began to pray into that and began to step into that situation. There's a line in one of the Hillsong songs, The Rhythms of Grace. It says this, my life is a life for your cause. My will laid aside for your call. I want to ask us, all of us, myself included, are they just nice words that we sing on a Sunday at times or are they commitments that we make and follow through on? See, my life is given over not to building uh, my own house and my own family and my own workplace and my job. Yes, I do that. But my life, if my life is given over to his cause, then I'm here to advance his kingdom. Do we play so little emphasis or value on the grace of Jesus that we keep it to ourselves. We need to be rapids, not a reservoir of the grace of Jesus. The grace of Jesus should flow through us. I love in Acts where it says that when the, the, the Christians, I think it was I can't, Barnabas went to see a group of Christians and it says that the grace of God was evident on their lives. What did he see? What did he see in those Christians lives that he could say it wasn't their theology. It was the God's grace was flowing through them. Imagine if people came into our church. Yes, they maybe love the, the, the environment and the, the building and, and all of that stuff. But they walk into our church and the thing that they notice is there's something here. And, and maybe they articulate it. There's a grace here. There's a gift here. And I can't explain it, but I want what they have. See, we need to be rapids, not a reservoir. I don't, I don't think we become reservoirs on purpose, but we need to find our voice and we need to tell our story, the story of God's grace in our life. Your story is vital. I am never going to reach your friends. You are going to reach your friends. You are going to reach your work colleagues. My, I guess one of the things that we're looking at at the moment is our online presence. But people aren't just going to happen across us on a Sunday. They're going to be invited to watch us, to see our online window. And I want to talk a bit more about that uh, after we've prayed together. But... You see, the stories, the valid stories of God's grace in people's lives are not the sensationalized ones. We've been fed on a diet, both in the secular world and the Christian world, of sensational things that happen. And actually, your neighbor needs to hear your story about what God has done in your life. Everyone is a soul winner. Let me say this. Jesus has trusted you with telling your friends about him. That's why you're there. That's why those people are around you. We can all play our part. I'm never going to reach your friends. Part of my life is to, to create an environment where you can bring your friends after you've told them your story. In a moment, we're going to pray together. But before we do that, I want to say to those people that maybe have never heard about jesus or 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 all you've heard about is a historical figure see jesus is reaching out to you maybe you were invited on here by a friend who you've seen something of, of jesus something of god's grace in their lives and he's reaching out to you with love with grace with forgiveness with healing with wholeness with acceptance but here's a sobering thought for Those of us that are already Christians, He's reaching out through us. He chooses us to be the yes, the recipients, but also the flow-through of his grace for the people that we invite into this place. Let me read 2 Corinthians 5, 17, from 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, God is reaching out to the people in our world, but he's reaching out through us. He's reached us. And it might be through someone else in this church that God reached you. But now he's saying to you, you are now my ambassador. You are now the person that I am sending on my behalf to reach out to other people, to bring them back to me. Jesus has already done his work and Easter shows us that he's complete. It's finished. But actually now God chooses us to reach out into our world. Every one of us is a soul winner. Revelation 22 verse 7 puts it simply like this. The spirit and the bride say come and let the one who hears say come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. See, the spirit, that's God saying, come. But the bride, that's talking about us, the church. We are also alongside of the Holy Spirit saying, come to people and let the one who hears say, come. Then it's the, it, there's, there's this passing of the baton to someone else. We, 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 we say, come, they come to Jesus, they're reconciled. And then we all work together to bring other people in. The Spirit and the Bride say come. We partner with the Holy Spirit in the invite. Every one of us cares. Every one of us belongs. Every one of us contributes. Every one of us is a soul winner, a bringer of good news. Can I pray with you? Father God, I thank you for this word. I pray, God, that we will all be challenged. I pray, God, that we won't get comfortable in building our own lives. God, I pray that that we will build your kingdom, that we will see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And God, we believe that you, you, want, a, you want us as a church to reach out into our communities more and more. God, I pray, I pray that we will be challenged to be soul winners, to bring people to you, not just to church, but to bring people to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, just before... We finish and I've got another section after that that I want to talk about. But just before we finish, I don't want to walk away from this meeting without actually giving people an opportunity to say yes to this Jesus. Jesus who brings love and grace and forgiveness and acceptance. The same way that he reached out to me. You know, my story isn't sensational, but I was broken. I was broken by sin in my life. I was broken by situations. And Jesus reached out. And, and through the twists and turns of my life, he put me back together. He reached out, he forgave me for my sin, past, present and future, showed me his grace. And he's doing exactly the same for you. He's reaching out to you. You. This isn't an accident that you're listening to this message. He has purposed for you to be here and to hear this message and to be challenged. Because it is a challenge that you that, that you will respond to. And you will either respond by saying, I'm not ready yet. Or you'll respond by saying no. Or I pray that you will respond by saying yes. I want to know this Jesus. I want to give him my life. And I'd love to be able to pray with you, right? In a moment, just we'll say a little prayer together and then I'll tell you a bit more after that. But I want to reach out to three groups of people. The first group of people, you've you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've never said yes to him, but today you know. I, I don't know the whole story, but I know I need to take the first step. I'm challenging you. Second group of people, you're, you've are you made a decision like this before, but maybe you've stepped away like the prodigal son, you've gone your own way and God is saying, come home, come home to me. But there's a third group of people, and this is, this is particularly, I guess, younger people that you're watching here right now. You've grown up like me in a Christian home, but you've come to a point either where you're about to make a decision and either walk away or know that there is more in this than you thought there was and you've lived under the umbrella of your parents faith and right now you know that God is challenging you to step into your own faith relationship with him don't walk away like I did don't waste time like I did step into that relationship with Jesus Christ know his love and his grace his forgiveness for yourself not just under your parents umbrella of faith but understand your own relationship with god so if anyone is in watching whether you're watching live or watching later on in the week i'd love to pray with you right now and so if you want you can already hit the on, on if you're on the chat you can hit the raise raise my hand button or you can do that later but let's pray right now dear god i come to you and i give you my life I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I ask that you come in and take control of my life. Dear Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for reaching out to me. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Hey, if you made that that decision, I'd love to congratulate you. And right now people are cheering if you've already made that decision you may not hear them you may never know them but there is a party going on of people celebrating the decision you make just let me give you a, a couple of steps to take one, if you haven't already, just press on the on the uh on the chat facility uh I raise my hand and that'll actually take you through to to being able to to connect with someone and we'd love to do that because we want to put a gift in your hand We want to put a new testament in your hand to help you begin to to read the Bible if you haven't done already and and also it's just a a, a memento, a memory of what happened today. So do that and connect with someone. If you're not on the chat facility, why don't you give us a call or email us and you'll be able to find that out from the website, connect with us. The next thing I would suggest you do is, you've done something significant, now go out and tell someone. This is what I'm talking about. You don't have to be years down the line. You can be a couple of hours down the line and you can say, hey, Today, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Already, I know his love, his grace, his forgiveness, because it will do something in you and you never know what it will do in the person you tell. The last thing I wanna say is keep turning up. Come back next week. It's Easter. Come on Good Friday. We've got John Revachand to uh, preach in and we're actually doing a live stream service. We're not in the building altogether, but we're actually stepping up and uh, and live streaming it to, to see how we do that and go to the next level as a church as well. So keep coming back and get involved in God's house. You know, I've got a bit more that I want to say, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to take the camera off. So right now, I'm going to to take the camera off and uh, say goodbye and, well, sort of hello anyway. Uh, Goodbye, hello. I don't know what I'm talking about. See you in a minute. Hey, I'm back again. I want to talk a bit about our online presence. And today, in a few moments, we're going to start receiving an offering. And that's going to be over this week. Uh, up until next Sunday gone a bit dark there. Sorry about that um, <laughs> There we go, that's a bit better, isn't it but you know, one of the things that we have committed to do over uh, Out of COVID is actually be able to keep our online presence going and I don't knew uh, I know this is a bit of a jump, but have you ever thought about the number 40 now 40 is so maybe it's some of your ages, but 40 is also the age of Kim Kardashian and Justin Timberlake. Yep, that's right. But here, here's here's a real kicker for many of us. Remember Macaulay Culkin, the little kid from Home Alone? Yeah, he's also 40 as well. That is scary. Macaulay Culkin is 40 years old. In Bible times, 40 was the number of uh, trials. So Jesus was in the uh, the wilderness for 40 years. The children of Israel walked around uh, the wilderness as well for 40 years. That was that was a serious trial. 40 is also the highest number that Sesame Street ever counted to in one of their programs. 40 is also the name or the, the, the title of one of my favorite songs from U2. I remember being at Wembley uh, and hearing 40 and we you know, thousands upon thousands of people singing the the song as we as we left Wembley. But here's the important what it's important to us for. Forty is approximately the number of hours that it takes for our team to put together a Sunday service. Not Every Sunday, a lot of Sunday services, this is just one Sunday service. So that, that sort of 50 minutes to one hour 10 time that it takes, depending on how long I preach, uh, it takes them 40 hours to stitch together, to edit, to put the music together, to, to, to do all the sound, Darcy and the team and, and the, the visual team as well. The digital production team putting it all together takes 40 hours. I bet you didn't realize that no neither did i till we began to to count up how long it takes now it's a vital part of who we are but as we begin to meet together and here's the point i want to make as we begin to meet together what we were doing last fall was we were doing our online pre-recorded service which took the team an incredible amount of time, and they were also having to prepare for Sunday. And, and so that that just was unworkable, unsustainable over a period of time. They did an incredible job. But as we move forward, what we need to be able to do is live stream our Sunday services. We want to give people, uh, I guess, that experience of being part of who we are whilst watching through the online window and so that's the offering that we receive today is is going to be going into our generosity fund and that is going to help towards uh, buying the equipment we need paying the subscriptions we need yeah it's unbelievable what we have to do to do a really good job. And what we don't want to do is make our online presence, our online experience secondary to our in the room experience. We want to give value and we want to, we want to give, I guess, credibility to both those sides, the online and the in the room. And so what I'm asking you to consider right now, now that today and this week is to prayerfully give so that we can reach out. It's not about having a great looking, uh, I guess website and uh, a great looking online experience. It's about being able to reach out into our, to our neighborhood, to our neighbors, to our work colleagues to say, this Jesus that has done something in my life, he can do something in yours. And that's what I've been talking about. Every one of us has a story but helping people to see who we are as a church is part of that process as well. And so what, uh, what our team have done, they put together a, a quick video to show you a behind the scenes look at what they have to do on uh, to get ready for a Sunday. And so I'm going to hand over to them and uh, then they're going to come back to me and we'll talk a bit more about that before we finish. So over to you guys.
1: Church Online has been a great way to connect with our church family during the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's also opened an incredible gateway for people to experience church that otherwise might not. Now that being said, it takes a total team effort to make this happen week after week. I've experienced this firsthand being a part of this incredible team since the start of the pandemic. We pivoted quickly, moving to online worship in a matter of days and more than 40 hours a week goes into the production and implementation of our church online experience. Our process starts before we even film with message planning and prep between our pastors and our hosts. We then jump into filming the message, the music and host portions of our worship service two weeks in advance to give our teams adequate time for editing. And then our music filming sessions are often the most involved aspects of church online. It includes lighting. It includes sound and visual texts, diverse and talented volunteer musicians, and a production team that films them. All in all, a single music filming session takes about four hours from beginning to end. Now that doesn't even include the time it takes to edit and then meticulously craft an interactive and engaging online worship experience. Now, because we filmed two weeks ahead, this gives our production team the time to cut the footage to color grade and mix down the sound. So, as you can tell, it is all hands on deck for making church happen online. Filming alone takes on average six to eight hours a week. The editing of that filming takes 16 to 18 hours a week. And the sound mixed down for our music alone takes six hours a week. And none of this includes the hours spent preparing, programming, creating animations and graphics, and setting up our spaces to produce this content. Over the last 54 Sundays, we've learned so much in the area of video production. We're always looking to innovate and try new things. We've appreciated the way that our team has adapted and grown with us. And we've also appreciated your flexibility during this time church online definitely wouldn't be the same without you so so thank you we hope that this gives you a little bit of a behind the scenes look at our video production
0: hey i love that video seeing our team in action and seeing what they have to do to put together everything to make our Sundays uh, just a, a great experience for all of us. And I, I personally want to thank them for all the hard work that they put in every single week doing that. We have some incredible, creative people within the life of our church. And I guess just a bit of a plug as well. Maybe you're watching that thinking, hey, I'd love to be part of that. Why don't you speak to one of the teams, speak to John Ravichander or, or Elisa or one of the other guys, and they'd love to get you involved in some aspect of that. Maybe you're, you're a is around sound maybe it's around graphics maybe it's around the technical side of it who knows but we want to get more people involved in that process and as we uh, as we receive our offering in a moment up beside me you'll see um, just you won't see all the trees but you'll see uh, really uh, all the information you need to actually uh, to be able to give at this moment we're going to take receive this offering today and we're going to receive it throughout the week up until next Sunday as well you might be able to hear the chickens in the background Um, but so all the information is there if you need to know anything else feel free to give the office a call we're going to receive this into our generosity fund and uh and be able to utilize that and bring it bring you know we want to be great stewards of what god has put in our hand through you guys and so please prayerfully consider right now and into this week as well what you can give and uh, we're believing that we're going to reach more and more people with the good news of jesus christ can i pray with you as we finish Father God I thank you for this offering that we are able to give uh, to see your kingdom come and God we believe in that as, as each of us contributes God that we the church organization will be incredible stewards uh, God I pray even just for the practical things of giving us the best uh, best value the best prices of everything that we have to buy and uh, and all all to see your kingdom advance all to see your glory come in the name of Jesus amen hey we love you guys and we will hopefully see you soon take care bye